When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to that Chelsea podcast, episode 10, the one where everything went wrong. I'm joined by Jack Davies, as always, and I'm not going to ask him how he's doing because it's a bit of a stupid question, but Jack, we are joined by a guest today. There is a third face on the Zoom call. Do you want to introduce him? Yeah, so we've got one of my good mates from uni, massive Chelsea fan through and through, probably the only person other than Nick that I've seen or met that I thought, oh, he's probably as much, if not more, Chelsea than me. Been to Baku, been to Munich, been all over the country to watch the Chelsea. Uh, we've got Louis Fitz joining us. Uh, you right? Yes, fella, we are good on the whole. Right, on the podcast today, we are going to recap that Arsenal FA Cup final defeat. Talk about, well, I guess the positives of that display, of which there weren't too many. We'll talk about, I guess, in gen- the general negatives, talking about a certain Mr. Anthony Taylor. Before we get into reviewing the season as a whole and having a more positive, upbeat look back on it, as it was, in general, a good season. But first, boys, there's only one place to start. That was yesterday. The FA Cup defeat against Arsenal. Uh, I'll start with you, Jack. Just first, like, sort of, feelings about the game? Um, don't think we played very well as it is, but at the end of the day, the referee made some poor decisions in key moments, which cost us. So it it was a tough one to take yesterday. Um, yeah, tough one to take hard. hard. Let, letting it sink in today, even though we have had a good season. Yeah. I guess we'll go on to, Louis, what were your thoughts of, of that performance yesterday as a whole? Yeah, so the way I summed it up to my dad was, firstly, we didn't do enough to win the game. The tactics weren't right in the first half. They must have played that long ball down the channel to Aubameyang at least six times, whether it come off or not. So that should have been switched up. And when you've got your captain behind a young, inexperienced right back in his first final, he definitely should have tucked him in for at least five or ten to stop that ball. So that was a key problem. Um, second half, I felt we got a grip to the game. I felt we lacked a bit of cutting edge. Obviously, losing Pulisic is huge. I actually think losing Pulisic was probably the turning point in the game. Like, yes, the ref was an absolute disgrace, but that was that was pretty key. Um, but I don't think Arsenal done necessarily enough to win the game as well. I think the difference was our our match winner went off, whereas they stayed on the pitch and he's produced a piece of magic to win in the game. Other than that, I don't remember Caballero really making a save. Um, on the whole, they've probably done enough to edge it, but I mean when the refs swing in the game that much in their favour, every little 50-50 and sending a player off or winning the ball and Jack are rolling around on the floor. I mean, you're playing against 10 men, so. Yeah, no, it's a pretty 
pretty accurate and apt description. Obviously, the final got off to a great start, boys, with uh, Christian Pulisic slotting us 1-0 up. And that I'd say that first 15, 20 minutes from us, pretty good. You know, we were on the front foot dominating the game. You know, there was missed another great chance shortly after where Pulisic is shot again being saved. But as we've seen quite often this season, the drinks break came. Arsenal regrouped, and from then on, it was pretty much one-way traffic at first half. Uh, as as Louis mentioned, balls going down the channel, it's it sort of felt inevitable, really. Uh, as Palaqueta then obviously fouls Aubameyang, it's a penalty, it's 1-1, and then to add an insult to injury, he goes off injured with his hamstring. The first bit of fr- bad luck, the first of three injuries we would suffer in the game um but we got to half time 1-1 whether we you know necessarily deserve to is another matter but we got to half time 1-1 and we'd seen Christensen come on and in in general I do think Christensen actually had a fairly solid game for his you know recent performances but we never really looked like scoring and then a couple minutes into the second half Pulisic, his hamstring goes. And I remember I texted Jack and I was just like, oh, this is, this is going to be tough now because he was our main threat. And as as I said, when Pulisic went off, for me, that sort of was where the hope, the last bit of hope went. Obviously, it was still one all, but you struggled to see us really winning the game and it felt like everything was against us. Would you agree with that, guys? Yeah. Yeah. I think I think we were lucky to go into half time at one one. I remember me and Louis we were watching it together, sitting there thinking, just get to a half time at one one. And then you think, I'll use the opportunity at half time to regroup like like a drinks break and go out and show something in the second half. But when you lose your best player that early on in the second half, it's difficult to difficult to then go and win the game because without him we lack so much pace not as much creativity only Mount but then Mount came off pretty early on um, yeah and I think I don't think we had a shot on target the whole second half so I mean if you're not if you're not doing that you don't deserve to win it do you yeah can I just get your think, oh sorry no Louis go on so, so I was going to say I think just to add to that as well um the two good spells we had in the game, probably more so the first 15 and then probably the first 10, maybe 15 of the second half, it come from our midfield. Our midfield two were the two pushing pushing the team up the pitch, winning the ball high up. Mount and Pulisic were tucked in pretty pretty well. So we almost boxed in Caballos and Jacker, forced them, forced them out wide to hold in Bellerin, but they clearly weren't comfortable. Um, and then as soon as Frank said it in his presser, he said, we went 1-0 up and they just started going sideways. You start going to the full-back, the intensity wasn't there. And when you lose, oh, there's been a lot of games this year, I think we've been so intense the first 20 minutes, we can't keep it up and then we struggle to control games. And that's, that's when I said James had to be dropped in for 10, or probably Alonso as well, because Rudiger especially isn't good enough to be isolated and Aubameyang was getting the run on Dave. So I feel like our management in that aspect wasn't good enough, as well as obviously Pulisic going off, which then meant that we didn't have a counter-attack basically. Yeah, obviously Pulisic goes off injured. Pedro's the one who comes on ahead of Callum. Was that a surprise to you guys? Were you disappointed to see Pedro preferred over Callum coming on? Lano Luis. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah I, that, I, 
I partly get his thinking behind Pedro because he's a workhorse and he will he will track people. They, they, it was a stage of the game where we were on top, so that would have probably suggested Callum because Callum can unlock things when he's on his day. Um, but I get the Pedro thing because Pedro does work hard. There's been a lot of games this year where you, even not even this year as such, but at times when Everton at home, for example, where you can just rely on him, he'll work hard, he can nick you a goal, and he's done it in big occasions for us, Pedro. Um, you think back, he's uh, he's assisted in the semi-finals against Tottenham. He scored against Everton. He scored against Tottenham at home under Conte. So I get it. I didn't necessarily agree with it. No, I feel like it was a time where we needed we lacked a lot. A lot of pace and Pulisic going off, and Callum definitely would have bought that. Yeah, I, yeah. I, 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 I would have gone with Pedro to be fair. I think just the experience that he brings of playing in big games. He's played in Champions League finals for Barcelona, scored in Champions League finals. I know it almost seemed like Frank was sort of doing it to try and set up him winning a trophy in his last game, but. I don't think Callum's been good enough this season, so I thought the decision was justified, to be honest. Fair enough, fair enough. We will get on to, I guess, talking about Callum a bit later when we get on to reviewing the season. I also felt that when Arsenal took the lead, as they did eventually, it sort of actually came in a spell where we were playing all right. You know, we were sort of, as you sort of said, controlling the game. And then Arsenal just got that goal. And immediately, yeah. my first reaction was, oh, we're not going to come back from this. Because I've, as I've said yeah, to you on this podcast many times, the mentality of this team when we concede a goal is very poor. It was, you know, poor when, we went, when it went back to 1-1. But then after sort of, you know, getting a foothold back in the game, we then concede. And I just thought, there's no real way back. And I think that's sort of been past one of the worrying things about this season is that when this team goes behind you struggle to see where we're going to come back from. And then yeah. to compound that misery, Kovacic then gets sent off. And that happens. And for me, that was the game killed off. I didn't see any way back yeah. for us. Yeah. We said the we same. Had and mid, mid, sorry, Carl. No, we just said the same game over as soon as that happened. Even when the second goal went in, it was 90% game over. One, once the second yellow happened, completely done. Um, yeah, I don't really have much more else to say about it. To be honest. As soon as Kovacic went off, you're not going to win a football match with Jorginho in midfield on his own. That's the problem. And then when you, I think Ross Bartley's had his moments this year, but I, I wouldn't look to him in a cup final to go, go on there, go on, get on there and change the game. I think that, I think he's had moments this year where I'm not his fan at all, but I think he's changed changed football matches. He's had spells where he's been quite. I would say influential, but changed games, scored scored important goals. But he's not the type of... I think Ruben would have been a big miss in that sense. Um, and it was a shame to see him out. But, but yeah, that red... I said I said to Jack, as soon as it went 2-1, it felt curtains, 100%. Um, you know, we're needing three goals to win a cup final. Um, how many times are we needing three or four goals to win football matches? It's just not good enough. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It sort of just felt... Pretty much as soon as we went one nil up, everything just went down downhill from there. Everything that could go wrong did go I wrong. I didn't say it at the time because I didn't want to jinx it, but it was it was almost it was so similar to that England Croatia game. We almost scored too early yesterday. Yeah, I was thinking that. Yeah, yeah, no, it's we needed a second. Yeah, yeah. if Pulisic had got that, uh, taken that second chance, 
I think that was almost game over then. We could have gone on it, but we just didn't keep the intensity up. I get it was hard. I get it was like Frank said, it was at the end of a period where we were having three games a week and we were missing probably our most energetic energetic midfielder on the bench in, in Gary Kante. Um but if we just kept that up for five, ten more minutes, they were really on the back foot. Holding, holding was just kicking out of play. Um, and that kind of surprised me a bit. I do think you lose a bit of that with Drew up front. I'm a massive Drew fan. I think he's been arguably saved our season past ten games or whatnot. But with Tammy, he does. He will, he will lead a press and Mount will follow. Drew's obviously not as quick. Um, so you do get that period where you are on top for a short amount of time because you can't you don't have the leg as much legs up front. Yeah, yeah. And then to compound yesterday even further, then Pedro goes off with an injury looking like he dislocated his shoulder. He needs oxygen as he leaves the pitch. Not the farewell he would have wanted in a Chelsea shirt. Obviously, you know, we press on touching it. Arsenal deserved to win yesterday. No, you know, no excuses there. But one of the big factors in Arsenal's win, or I suppose in our inability to come back, was the refereeing of a certain Mr. Anthony Taylor. He refereed the 2017 Cup final, where he allowed Alexis Sanchez to essentially play volleyball en route to scoring his first goal to put Arsenal 1 0 up in that quarter in that final. He's also sent now two Chelsea players off in the two FA Cup finals that he has refed us in, as we touched on that second wasn't even if not even a foul really um he'd bear in mind he'd also booked mason mount uh, i think in the first half for a nothing challenge and responsible and in my eyes he's responsible for pedro's injury because we should have had a free kick at the edge of the box before pedro gets fouled um obviously the fa broke tradition in allowing him to referee a second cup final due to uh covid but we talk, it seems like, you know, it's a common talking point in this country about the standard of refereeing. It's not really, it's just not good enough, is it? Compared to what we see on the champion, on a European stage in the Champions League, is it? No, I mean, if he's going to give yellow cards for little fouls like that, he's got to do it both ways. We can't just be doing it to one team. I think he gave. Did they get booked? Did they get a booking did... at all? I think they he got gave a Jack booking a book for trying to get Kovacic sent off. Yeah, uh, that's it. And then I think, how many did we get? Six? Yeah, half yeah. the team. <laughs> and I'm and sorry, I don't even we, think we weren't as dirty as like when Spur, we played Spurs at the bridge and they got like nine. And they were literally hacking everyone left, right, centre. I, I think um, Kovacic's first one was soft. Yeah. Jack, yeah. made a meal of that. I mean... If I get if that was his second or third foul, then fine. And I think it was, so I kind of half get that one. But the second one, if anything, it was a foul the other way. Yeah. So to send him off for that, it's just an absolute joke. But my problem with VAR is you've got morons like Anthony Taylor ref in the game, but you've got morons like Anthony Taylor for other games behind the VAR screen. So it's, if, if the standard of refereeing's a problem on the pitch, it's going to be just as a pro- big of a problem off it if they've got the same opinions and views on what is a yellow card and what's not. Mm. This is so one I don't my, know how they fix it. Yeah, it's one of my biggest issues with VAR as well is that they can't review that Kovacic red card because it's a second yellow. For me, you've got VAR what? to clear up errors. You've got to include it on second yellows because otherwise you're going to have instances like that again and that will kill teams off. Because that killed, as we said, you know, Chelsea deserved to lose yesterday. 
But Anthony Taylor didn't allow us a chance to get back into that game. He killed us off for those last 25 minutes. Yeah, I mean, we said yesterday, like, in any game, usually, no matter how bad you're playing, in the last five, five, ten minutes, you always are going to have that one chance. Yeah. And we had a man sent off with Pedro go off, can't make another sub, so we're playing with nine players. And Jorginho on the pitch. And yeah, there's no chance we're getting near the goal. So, yeah, the yeah the ref just fully finished us yesterday. Yeah, bear in mind this is the same referee who gave Spurs a free kick initially for Gazaniga Kung Fu kicking Alonso <laughs> in the game at Spurs before VAR intervened. And I could see that clearly from the away end, which is complete opposite end of the pitch. So, yeah, as we said, not a great day for Anthony Taylor yesterday. Um, better, be, better be going down to the training ground again to apologise like last time that's what I say <laughs> building on that as well he, not only the fly kick um, Son he that had to, he didn't even send Son off for the kick that had to go to VAR I think yeah. he booked Rudiger for diving um, mm. uh, the Maguire kick out on yeah. Batshuayi's nuts he didn't even book him for that in front of the bench yeah um, the, the Dolopho penalty at Watford where he literally goes down after a tap on his shin half a second later he gave that a pen I understand that went to VAR but he, award, he pretty much I don't know if he awarded it or not but it was a game he refed so any coincidence there probably not and then like you said the 2017 final which was an absolute joke yeah yeah look as I said there's a reason no English refs went to the last World Cup because none of them are any good really I guess maybe the exception of, of Michael Oliver but when when, when you know when, as a Chelsea fan, you probably hate Anthony Taylor more than a certain Mr. Pawson. That says quite a lot. But we're going to move on from yesterday. It was a disappointing end to what has otherwise been a very solid, good season from Chelsea on the whole. Before we get into a sort of a deep dive of the season so far, I'm just going to throw some players' names to you guys. But I want to know if you want to see them at Chelsea Football Club next season. Uh, Jack, start off with you. Jorginho? No. Okay. No. Uh, Kepa? No chance. <laughs> no chance, yeah. Uh, really? Tony Rudiger? <laughs> no, not after no. yesterday. No, okay. I can uh, it looks like Willian's off, but we don't know for sure. Uh, Willian, need to I'll, go? Personally, I would keep him. I think he's been good this season. Been a been a solid player over the last however many seasons. So I, I'll personally keep him. Louis? I'm unsure on William. Yeah. I think he's there's so many games where we're on the counter attack and he just seems to just give it away. I think if Z, if Ziyech and Werner hit the ground running, and I, I think there will be times next year where he plays Ziyech, uh, plays Werner off the left, similar to the way Abamian plays off the left. Um, if they hit the ground running, if Havertz is going to get over the line which we all hope I, I, that probably leaves Hudson Adore on the bench mate, and then one of another attacker um, so is not mentioned Pulisic there as well so yeah exactly I'm just assuming Pulisic would play because he's without yeah. a shadow of a doubt our best player um, but the last thing you need based on this season and Hudson Adore's injury is him getting blocks and minutes because he has been short of minutes this mm. since the lockdown uh, obviously reasons why he hasn't lived up to the hype but no don't for the for the three-year contract, keeping him to 35 and the money he's demanding, I'd get rid of him. No. And also with William, I'm not convinced he's, you know, he'd want assurances of first-team football 
he and we you know I don't think we can you know afford to give that to him. So again, I'm with Louis. I would be Willian. Uh, gone. Uh, who else is there? Tamori Lone. No, I'll keep him. Personally, keep potential potential loan if we get someone in, but we'll have to wait and see. Definitely, definitely that's, keep him on the books though. That's, that's a head scratcher for me. The Tamori one, I haven't understood it all year. Um, our best run of form, and arguably in terms of lack of conceding goals, was when him and Zuma were in the side. Um, it was almost as soon as Rudiger come back, he slotted straight in. Which, to be fair, a lot of us would have, because based on last season, he was a decent centre half. But as Paul Merson said about Harry Maguire, there's a reason that these centre halves play in three at the back, and that's because they can't play in a two. And Tony Rudiger looks like one of those, and he now looks like one of those who can't even play in a three. So, so but uh, yeah, I thought Tomori was great when he was in the side. Um, I get he's not going to play 50 games a season, based when his first season Prem 22 centre half. But why he hasn't even featured is beyond me. I don't get that, personally. Yeah, OK. Marcus Alonso? Uh, keep him as a backup. Get a new left-back in. Oh, I think he's better than Emerson. Yeah. yeah, yeah, as I said, I'd keep Alonso over Emerson, but I think the left-back is an area we need to strengthen on. Uh, Just play him every game against Tottenham. Yeah, save, save, him to Spurs. save him to yeah. Spurs. Just save him to Spurs. Save him to Spurs every year. Right. I'm trying to think, is there anyone? There's no one else I can think of. Uh, final. Uh, Callum Lone, or is that just dependent on if Willian stays? I think you've got to keep him either way when he's on that much money. Um, he's got that much potential. Like Frank says, he, ba- he starts people based on A, how they've been performing, if they're changing games, but usually how they're training. So if he... If he puts it in. He's got. We know. He, we the problem is with Callum. We know he's all got the quality, and I'm sure mm. I might touch on this a bit more. But we know that he's got the quality. There's been games this year. I remember Arsenal at home, first 60 minutes. He was absolutely tearing it up. He was the best player on the pitch. But he just needs to do it on a consistent basis, and he needs to get that in product there. You look at Greenwood. The effect Greenwood has on games now. Um, the effect Saka's having on games when he plays for Arsenal. He needs to. He needs to do that on a regular basis. I feel a bit sorry for him with the injury and that, but. Next year, think, I won't. I think, think Go on. I think the thing with Saka and Greenwood is United and Arsenal have had the Europa League this season. So they've had these yeah. so-called nothing games where they've been able to play them and they've been able to play 90 minutes, get minutes under their belt. Whereas we had the Champions League and... Yeah, that's a good point. You're going to play your best team. Um, that's a good point. So I think that might be why he's maybe lacking behind those others. Um, I totally get that. He definitely needs the game time. I think he's just a bit low on confidence. And it's so hard to make an impact coming off the bench for 10 minutes. Yeah, I but love that. you do have to try and show that. Like yesterday, he came on a few dodgy touches here and there. And when you're given the opportunity, you've got to try and grab it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'd say, Omar, do you think though that Callum's sort of been afforded the opportunities by Frank to sort of play through his poor form because it seemed like I guess from my point of view is that someone like Willian look I'm not you know slaying Willian because I think he has actually had a pretty good season for us but Willian has had periods of where he's not been contributing really not scoring or assisting and he's still been in the team whereas it sort of felt with Callum as soon as he's dropped off he's out the team 
do you think yeah. Cab's not been given as fair an opportunity as someone like Willian to rediscover form and even to a maybe similar extent at some point, Christian Pulisic? The problem with it is, is Pulisic, he wasn't starting at the start of the season. He was coming off the bench a lot. It was, yeah. um, oh, who was he playing on the wings? Willian and, might have even been, was it Pedro and Willian? It was Pedro and Mount up there sometimes. So yeah, Pulisic wasn't even getting that much game. So it was a few games where you think Ajax away, he come on and set up the final goal. He got a start against Burnley, he scores a hat trick. Um, but they were that was at a time of the season where there was less pressure on these games. It was like, yes, we still needed to win, but if we slipped up, it wouldn't cost us our top four. We still had twenty odd games to 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 make it better. Whereas now, if he threw in Callum to start against Aston Villa, for example, it's a that was a must win game. Yeah. Or same as Liverpool, that was also a must mm-hmm. must win, must not lose games. So there was definitely more on the game. So I'm hoping next year, just give him a shot, give him a couple of games, just to see what he can do, and then make a decision personally. Okay, that's good analysis from you two boys. Uh, Chelsea finished the Premier League season in fourth place behind Manchester United on goal difference. Chelsea ended with 20 wins, six draws, and 12. Defeat, scoring 69 goals, conceding 54. Um, <laughs> obviously, the defence was a big issue this season. Interestingly, I li- just looked on the numbers on the Premier League uh, app. We conceded less goals at home this season under Frank than we did when we won the league under Conte. We conceded 16, wow. 16 at home this season compared to 17 under Conte. Wow. The, fo- the home form was an issue at the start as well. So that, that's one positive. That's really turned around. Um, well, I we think won some in, big games at home yeah, as well. I think, is it six in a row in the league at home now? Yeah. City, won- I mean, we've done City at home, Liverpool at home recently. Um, so that, that, was, that was important because I remember at the start of the season, all we were doing was winning away. So, so no, that was, that was a, obviously a surprising stat. But the fact that the amount of goals we conceded away from home was just... And that, I think that comes down to what I mentioned earlier. That's just game management. Again, at times, yes, the centre half's aren't good enough. Yes, the goalie was blatantly not good enough. But um, game management at times ain't good enough. Yeah, no, agree. I think at certain points, if our game management had been better in certain games, we'd have had top four secured long before for Wolves. West Ham, Buddy. cough, cough. West Ham, Newcastle away, Arsenal at home. Um, yeah. There's a few. Um, but look, at the start of the season, no one realistically gave us a chance to top four. The BBC pundits think only three of them out of about 20 odd predicted the last game top four. Two of them were ex Chelsea and Rude Hullet <laughs> and Mark Schwarzer. Uh, so Frank has done a good job. You know, at the start of the season, he said his ambition was to get Chelsea top four. He believed he could get Chelsea top four. Uh, and we have mentioned we've had some really, really good moments. As I said, we've beaten the top eight at least once in, in all competitions. So that's less beating Leicester in the FA Cup beating uh, Liverpool in the Cup. But we won away at Arsenal. We did the double over Spurs. We beat United in the Cup. We beat City in the league. We beat Wolves twice. We won away at Arsenal in the league. Compared to last season as well, when we didn't win a single game away at a top, top half team, there have certainly, in my eyes, been signs of improvement. But we can sort of go toe-to-toe with the big sides, not just at home, but also away from home, where last year sort of felt like it was a nailed-on defeat. Um, yeah, no, definitely. Not massive improvement on last year. I just remember watching games and going to games and thinking, I don't really want to be here sort of thing. 
Um, none of the fans were supporting the formation Sari was playing, the football we were playing. And to have a legend like Frank come back to the club straight away, had everyone behind him. And yeah, he's certainly exceeded expectations this year. And yeah. long may it continue. I think I just, with it... Go on. go on, Jack. I was just going to say, we, we were saying yesterday, I think we need to win a trophy ASAP though now after we lost that one yesterday because people will start questioning him. I don't think it's as much that in terms of um, the trophy. Frank will win a trophy in his managerial career, no doubt. It will happen and he won't have to wait as long as Mauricio Sarri and he won't have to wait for someone like Eden Hazard to do it um, for him. But it's more for the players' sake. If We've got a crop there with 21, 22, 19, 18, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, the quicker they get a trophy under their belts, you think about how big it was in even the Carling Cup in 2004 or 2005, whenever it was, I think it was 2004 in Cardiff. That was massive for that group of players because it just sets a winning mentality straight away. And I don't think yesterday was, although we didn't win, being that close to winning and experiencing that failure, I'm hoping it only goes one way in terms of putting more determination in these young boys. But they need to, they're going to have to kick on and win a trophy soon because, like, like you were saying, Jack about Sarri. Um, there was moments last year, City at home, City in the final, we probably could have won that. Obviously, Baku was a good good game. It just felt, felt like there was no direction at the club at all. It felt like it was just, the direction was, in other words, make Jorginho captain in three years and play everything through him. And we were inevitably going to lose Hazard. So God knows what would have happened this year without, without Hazard and Sarri, Sarri in charge. Um, so that's why I feel like this season's been a, a good stepping stone because we've overcome a transfer ban, obviously, and he's integrated X, Y, Z in terms of young players. But um, it's a real stepping stone in terms of a, you can see the project and you can see where Frank wants to take this team. And that's the difference for us fans, I think. Yeah. Okay. So, boy, if I could, what would you rate this season out of 10? Um, eight, I reckon. I think, yeah. I'll give it an eight. I think I'll go eight and a half. I, I think if we, won the, if we won the cup yesterday, it would have been a nine and a half. And then if, if you could put, a, put in a better performance against Bayern and show you worth a bit more there, then it probably could have gone to a, gone to a 10 for me. Because after them first two games at the start of the season, getting hammered by United and drawing 1-1 by Leicester, and Leicester the second half really did demolish us. I remember walking out that Leicester game going, Gee, we could be bottom 10 this year. We could be around 10th. It was that bad. Um, so to get fourth, albeit despite teams around us being absolutely terrible, you, Frank can't change that. To get fourth is a ridiculous achievement considering we've had Kepa in goal as well. Um, I said to Jack yesterday, the thing with Kepa, he's been that bad, he's probably cost us 12 points. So a good keeper wins your 10 points a season. So there's probably a 20-point swing just on our keeper if we got a proper keeper. And I think if... if I'm not. There's, I don't think we'll get Old Black at all. But if you've got someone of Old Black or Allison's quality in, I think we're 15, 20 points better off. I think it's been that bad, in my opinion. Yeah, and look, I'm not necessarily one for you know the expected goals statistics, but we you look oh, yeah, at we have severely that. like oh we have severely underperformed in that aspect both at both ends of the. I was just gonna say I saw a um, clip come up of. Jamie Redknapp at the start of the season in September. Yeah, I've seen that. And he said some, I can't remember, something like it would be ridiculous if Lampard gets top four and 
gets in a uh, gets in a cup final. He said, "You'd be ridiculous to think that." Jose yeah. come out said he was wide. We wide for us in big games, and like you reiterated earlier, Nick, we've beaten every big team. I think we've massively improved in our big games. At times, what's let us down is we've been playing small teams at home, yeah. and we can't unlock them. And then they have one chance because all teams need against us is one chance it goes in. We lose one nil to Bournemouth, one nil to West Ham, two nil to Southampton. So that's why he's gone out and got Werner Ziyech and Havertz because we can't unlock teams. We do have struggled to unlock teams all year, mm-hmm. but we all know about the other the issues at the other end. Yeah. Uh, if I press you on for who would be your guys' player of the year? Um, I, so I would have gone for Pulisic because I think he's with the best player we've got. Um, he's got 11 goals, 10 assists this season. Um, the only reason I'm not going to go for him is because at the start he was just coming off the bench and then he was injured for quite a long period. So based on who's been our most consistent player this season, um, I've gone for Kovacic. Um, I just think in game, pretty much every game, his ability to like break the lines and dribble out of dangerous areas, uh, relieving pressure on our shambolic defence and turning defence into attack has been a massive, um, massive positive. Um, it's been creating a few more chances, I think, this season. Um, and his technical ability is second to none. How he just dribbles and glides with the ball uh, is reminiscent of someone like Hazard. The only thing I'd say is next season he does need to improve his goal and assist tally. But overall, I think he's been our most consistent performer across the whole season. Yeah, I agree with Jack's point about Pulisic. I think if Pulisic was fit all year, it's an absolute no-brainer. Um, bloke's literally been winning us matches on his own. Um, only one who really can unlock a door consistently on a consistent basis every game. It's like, create a chance, he'll have it. And I like the way he's more ruthless than Hazard. Um, Hazard would pass a lot. Pulisic, is, his first thought is, can I get a shot off? So I think he could, this is a bold statement, um, Hazard was absolutely phenomenal for us. But I think Pulisic could put up better numbers, given if he, if he stays fit in terms of goals. Um, I, I, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think there was only a couple of seasons where Hazard got over 15 Premier League goals. Um, I think if Pulisic was fit this year, he would have been hitting around 20 in all comps. So, um, so yeah, I agree with that point. Um, personally, I would have gone with Mount. Um, I think Kovacic has been brilliant. Um, but I find it hard to give it to a player of the year, to someone who doesn't really impact games in terms of their goals or their assists. I think Mount has done it on big games this year. And I, even, I know um, this is quite a contradictory statement, but Tottenham away, he didn't even score assists, but he was brilliant um, in terms of his press, great chances, everything. So um, personally, you. I'd go Mount. Yep, thank um, you. There's a lot of agenda on Twitter about Mount, and I don't get it at all. I think oh. he, you look at his season... He's had a, probably a better debut season than Frank. Yeah. Um, if he can have the same work ethic, he's got. He's going to have some career ahead of him. But yeah, but yeah, pers- I think Kovacic is great. But I think pers- personally, I think Kovacic needs two eights next to him. So we need a Mount and a Ruben, or a Mount and a dream scenario Havertz um, next <laughs> to him because he does. La- he's he's great in that middle third. He can get the ball turned, go around three players. But his final ball sometimes it's like. I don't know. He, he, he turns from what Kovacic into someone like uh, Adebayor going forward. It, it, it's bizarre. Um, 
but but no, I agree. He's been consistent. Um, I don't think he works with George. I don't think he works with Jorginho that well. I think they can pass it between each other, but going forward, they don't give you that. That they don't win your games. You look at midfields we had Lampard, Essie, and Balak. They'd they'd be nitty gritty and win your games going forward. They they're good. They're, all, they're nice on the eye, but they ain't got that that final cutting edge going forward. So, but no, that's why I'd go in Mount. I think he's done it on big occasions and. I think for his first year, he's been phenomenal. Yeah, no, I agree. There's more to Mason Mount than goals and assists, as you mentioned in Matt Spurs game. Uh, he was, I thought he was phenomenal that day as well. Uh, uh, young Player of the Year. I've gone for Mount. I've gone for Mount for Young Player of the Year. Right. Exactly what Louis said. Seven goals, five assists in his first Prem season at 21 years of age. That's not a bad first season at at the top, at the very top. It's gone, gone, went away from Chelsea, had a good season at Vitesse and a good season at Derby, rack up some professional games and he's come back, been in the team, been pro- probably Lampard's go-to player, first name on the team sheet. Um, his work ethic is just ridiculous, it, how he can press and he just, by doing things like that for the fans watching, it just proves how much he wants to play for the Chelsea badge and how much he cares about the club. Yeah. Um, Louis, your young player of the year? Yeah, Mount again for me. I'd give him both. Um, just quickly, though, shout out to Tammy. Um, second half of the season wasn't great, but first real season in the Prem in terms of consistently playing, he's going to strike as I go up and down. But to score 15 goals, zero penalties, the only two other players under the age of 22 to do that are Mbappe and Sancho. Um, first half of the season if we didn't have him uh, we'd probably be below if not around Tottenham I think he'd probably won us about 20 15 20 points I know if you bring in Drew or something he might still score or whatnot but I think he's been crucial to aspects of our season and it would be really disappointing if he doesn't get the game time next year because I still think he deserves it and I think it would be nice to see him actually play with someone like Werner because I think they'll both offer something completely different so yeah uh, credit to him but yeah same reason and same reason um, as my player of the year, Mount for young player. All right. Thanks for that. And everybody will be back in a sec for part. Welcome back to part two of that Chelsea podcast. Uh, we're now resuming on goal of the season. Jack, what was your goal of the season? Right. I've, I've got a few. I've got a few notable mentions before I say what my goal of the season was. So, my notable mentions are Willian against Spurs away, uh, Ross Barkley against United in the FA Cup, Tamori versus Wolves, Mount versus Villa, and Pulisic versus City. Um, The goal I've gone for as best goal is actually Tammy Abrahams against Watford, where Jorginho played that beautiful pass first time through and Tammy lobbed Foster. Um, but the goal that I'd say got me the most excited was definitely Batchwise against Ajax uh, in Amsterdam because that was a late 85th minute goal, sort of a game where the youngsters sort of come of age, finally back in the Champions League, a big game. So that was my that was the one that I enjoyed the most this season. All right, Louis, what was your goal of the season? Yeah, so my honourable mention is Reese James against Ajax, not for the actual goal, but just like the scenes. It was incredible. Um, 
But my actual goal of the season was Tammy against Wolves. His was it his, I think his, his hat trick goal? Oh, the right, ball, yeah. ball come over the top. Uh, he's run onto it, squared Cody up one on one, gone one way, gone the other, and then just whipped it across the keeper. And I, I don't actually think it was probably the best goal scored, like Jack mentioned, Pulisic against City, even Barkley, Mount against Villa. But it's felt like a long time since we've had a I mean, Costa and then probably Drogba, where we've had a proper striker who can just square someone up one on one, shift it, get half a yard, and just whip it in. Um, yeah, just like the way he just created something out of nothing, and that was that's that's how you get the best out of Tammy. Just get me get me in mind one on one. It's different to Drew. Like you don't really want to go into his feet ten yards short. You just get down the channel and get him running after it. He's he's rapid. So yeah, you more my goal there's quite a few obviously you know I'd say as you mentioned Reese James against Ajax purely just because for the absolute scenes that that mm-hmm. caused you know if I would have you know it wasn't a goal but I'd also for Azpilicueta's disallowed goal against Ajax to put us 5-4 up yeah. that was um, I'd say I, lo- I did love Tammy's goal against Watford that was a really good goal um, obviously Bashawai against Ajax again a great goal uh, Tammy away at Arsenal was a brilliant counter attack yeah, from us and watching Chelsea score like counter-attacking goals is 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 really good. Uh, however, William free kick West Ham as well. Forgot about that. that was that was, was good. Yeah, I I am however gonna go for uh, you. I'm gonna go for Ross Barkley's against Liverpool in the FA Cup because purely because it's it's Ross and he doesn't. That's not something usually in his locker. Uh, and also, it was just honestly a fantastic goal. It really was, and it put us two 0 up and sent us on our way to going through. Um, yeah, a brilliant goal from Ross, the boss, Barkley, aka the Scouts Maradona. Um, Another shout out to for um, Tammy away at Liverpool as well, purely because of Pulisic. Yeah, also that run was incredible. Pulisic's goal against Liverpool itself wasn't bad as well. Yeah, I yeah that was. With, that was um, in the, I think that. He waited 15 minutes too long to get them boys on. Should have got all three yeah. of them on at half-time. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, uh, we haven't even mentioned Tamori Stunner against Wolves. That was pretty good as well. <laughs> um, yeah. Come, I'm, yeah. Uh, I'm now going to go on to best performance of the season. So not necessarily a game you enjoyed the most, but what do you think was Chelsea's best performance that they put in this season? Um, I think both games against Spurs... We were quality in both of those. Um, Ajax away, good in that. But I think best performance this season, I think I'd have to say the game against United in the semi-final at Wembley. I think we just dominated them against a front three uh, that were on red-hot form. I know they didn't all start, but a team that were playing well at the time, we weren't given much hope, to be honest, before the game, and we played them off the park. So that's mine. Ajax away for me. Uh, we rode our luck a bit. I think they had a disallowed goal, which was literally like Promise's foot or something ridiculous. But well. I, I thought, I thought, yeah, I thought we were brilliant that game. Um, tomorrow again, tomorrow's Zuma at the back, brilliant. Um, two subs worked. Pulisic come on, change the game. Batshuayi obviously gets the winner. I'm not a Batshuayi fan at all, but he has scored some big goals for us. To be fair, um, clean sheet with Kepper in goal. Um, don't come very often. Uh, yeah, no, that for me. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah, but to be fair, I do think you could probably put, pick out a lot of 
you know, performances in big games. I think Spurs was a fantastic performance. Our only clean sheet we kept away in the Premier League this season was away yeah. at Spurs when we beat them 2-0. And that was probably one of the most convincing Chelsea wins I've seen going up against yeah. a big six team, especially away from home. We schooled them that day. And given the form we were in as well at the time, that was a very, very good performance. I'm this one might be left maybe left field, but I'm gonna go the Everton four nil game at home. I thought we were just superb from minute one in that game. And if we were being a bit more clinical, we could have easily put five or six past them. Yeah. And it was a pretty day. Yeah. Billy Gilmore running the show. We saw your Jack, your boy Armando Brozier come on for his Premier League debut. We saw Tino Andrin come on as well. It was sort of just a in a way, it's sort of a really good way, but that was for the last game that fans were actually able to be in the stadium for because it was a brilliant, brilliant performance. So, yeah, that would be my game of the season. Again, honourable mention to the United FA Cup semi-final and uh, the City game at home. Now I'm going to go on to your boys' favourite moment of the season. Um... Seeing Frank in the dugout, um, coming back to the bridge, that was a good moment. Um, but for me, being at a game, it's, it's got to be the Arsenal way in the away end, playing pretty poor for pretty much 80 minutes of that game, coming back, scoring a late goal, and the uh, so-called limbs in the away end is uh, pretty good to experience. So that would be my moment. Fair enough. For me, I can't pick between a few. I think Tottenham away was huge because Mourinho just saying Chelsea can't do it in big games, X, Y, Z. And then you go there and the youngsters and you see youngsters and Frank cuddling and Mourinho walking down the tunnel. That's a great photo. And he's a right bell end now. Don't like him. Um, so that that's that's up there. Um, I think United in the semi-final was huge because it felt like Oli had one over on Frank the whole season. And he, I mean, he did do it in 3-1, but getting one... At, we are much, we are still a much better side than they are. They're they're rubbish. I mean, they're back up. They signed Maguire for eighty million, and he's absolutely pony. Um, so getting seeing him score an own goal that was brilliant. But the the one I've actually gone most mental for is the same as Jack when Tammy scored. I absolutely lost it because I was getting loads of grief from Arsenal that day. So I think I'll go that. But Tottenham behind. Yeah, nah, that's fair enough. I've I'll go quickly. My favourite three moments of the season: Reese James's equaliser against Ajax. I'll go, I mean, Jack, you and I are both in the away end at Arsenal. That was a brilliant day. As he said, we were poor for large parts of that game, but we actually won a game coming from behind and won a game where we didn't play amazingly. And that was, and again, we talked about in an early pod, Frank making the change early, bringing Jorginho on for Emerson, changing from a three to a four. That felt a really big moment. But I think my moment of the season, and it's going to, it will live me for a long time, was just the scenes at Tottenham at full-time. Frank, in front of the away end, you could see how much it meant to him. And yeah. that whole away end was just buzzing. It was, it was just, it was party mode. It was just before Christmas. We'd just beaten Jose. It was a perfect way to go into Christmas. It was a brilliant Open. performance. Opened up a bit yeah. of a gap in Spurs then, didn't we, as well? Yeah. Yeah. No, if, yeah, Spurs had won that. They'd have overtaken us at the time. So, for sure, you know, as I said, this season, despite not winning a trophy, there's still been some unbelievable moments following this team. And also, I'll just throw in Mason Mount scoring his first Chelsea goal and scoring the first goal of the Lampard era. 
against mm-hmm. Leicester. That was another brilliant moment. But my moment of the season is the Lampard at full time to to the away end at Spurs. Now I'm going to ask you boys, what are your hopes and expectations for Chelsea next season? Now, obviously, this is the start of hopefully a long and exciting project. We're going to need to have patience. Uh, in my eyes, we're certainly on track, if not slightly ahead of schedule. If we'd won the FA Cup, I would have just, you know, firmly put it in my mind that we're ahead of schedule. Uh, we obviously came, got into the top four on the last day of the season. And, you know, barring a, a miracle, we're going to be exiting the Champions League of the round of 16 again. What are you hoping we see from Chelsea next season? Not, not, not just necessarily in terms of, you know, league and cups, but what are you hoping we see more of them improved on uh, next season from this? Uh, concede less goals. <laughs> that is the ultimate goal. I think we've made some good signings already. Um, but at the end of the day, if you can't defend and we're still conceding goals, then it doesn't really matter how good your attack is. You're not going to go and win games like 7-5. Do you know what I mean? So you need to shore up the defence. And if, if we do that, then I think top four certainty next season. Try and close, I don't think it will be challenging, but try and close the gap on City and Liverpool. Um, been, it would be nice to have a decent run in the Champions League next year. Um, and then just try and challenge for the two cups as well, really. Uh, but I, like, I'd like, I think me and Louis said this, we'd like to see Frank stick to, stick to a 4-3-3 next year more so than switching it about. Yeah. Yeah, for me, one thing I'd like for next year is less injuries. Um, when you look at this season, people talk about losing Hazard and the transfer ban, but one of the biggest issues this year is, like I said to you boys earlier, our three best players last year are Hazard and Kante, who were our two only world-class players. And then you could argue on the back end of last season, Loftus Cheek was arguably our best player before he done his Achilles in some ridiculous friendly. We lost one. Kante's played exactly 50% of football matches. Our new signing Pulisic and probably our best player has, I think, probably started 50% of our matches. Loftus-Cheek's only just come back from a massive major injury and unfortunately picked up another minor knock. So I think you've got to keep some of them boys fit next year, especially Kante. We're not going to close the gap as much as Frank will want unless N'Golo Kante's at the base of a 4-3-3 and you play two eights next to him, in my opinion, because that's clearly what he's gearing up to do. Um, like Frank, like um, Jack said, three four three is a great backup plan for games where it's not working. We're getting overrun, but we can't be using it as our first formation anymore. Um, you've got you've got too much attacking threat. We Mount's best position is an eight. Um, you you lose a lot with. I get that he's still, he's still influential off the left mount, but you need Pulisic off the left. That's where he plays. Um, you need two fullbacks who can get up and down in a four, and really we need a proper centre-half to sort this back line out. Um, but yeah, in terms of expectation, I think we've got to close that 33 points. And I think we will. I don't think it will be 33 points next year. Um, another final. Uh, I don't, it's hard to say. You, with Chelsea Football Club, we should win trophies. We, I think this is the third season under Abramovich where we haven't won a trophy. Um, so realistically thinking, if you're going to spend 200 million next year, we've got to win a trophy like Jack said, a Champions League run, but not not a chance now. I expect us to be winning the league next year or the Champions League, in my opinion. Um, it's too much to sort out. I think a keeper will sort 
a lot of problems, but there's a, unfortunately a few more than the keeper, which it needs replacing. Yeah, we'll get on to that in a minute. I say my expectations for next season, a comfortable top four finish, hopefully closing the gap on City and Liverpool. Uh, I'd like to see us win a cup. I think we've mentioned it earlier, it's massively important for this young group of players to get a trophy under the belt. Obviously, they've been winning at youth level, but it's a big step, big difference and a big step up from youth level to men's football. I think it would just be great for Frank as well, just to sort of get that one off his back. It was something, you know, some of the still dogs, Pochettino to this day, and he's a fantastic manager. So Frank can get that one out yeah. of his way. And look, the Champions League, you, you know, you can't really predict because you can, the no draw is easy. You don't have an easy game in the Champions League. I would like to see us win a Champions League knockout tie, though. We haven't won one since 2014 when we beat PSG thanks to Denver Bar. And you think we've won two league titles since then and we haven't won a Champions League knockout tie since. So that's something I think we definitely, definitely need to improve on. You saw Louis mentioned, you know, I guess, signings. Uh, Jack and I, we've obviously mentioned the need for a goalkeeper and a left-back. Boys, who would you hope Chelsea can try and bring in in the summer transfer window? Um, it depends who's available. Like, it's so difficult to say who's actually available. I think for left-back, talk of that Taglifico from Leipzig or whatever. Oh, no, Ajax, sorry. Um, but... I think maybe we should just go for Chilwell. I think even though he's, he's not been as good second half of the season, he's still 23. Uh, I know he's English, so he'll probably cost more. But he's played in the Prem, played for quite a few seasons now. I think he'd do a good job. So I'd go for him. Centre-backs. Uh, try and bring in Rice, but I... Don't really see West Ham letting their prize asset go for on the cheap. So that's another one. Difficult to say. Hopefully we'll get Havertz over the line in the next few weeks. Um, I wouldn't bring any more midfielders or attackers players in. Uh, I think we're overrunning it there now. Some people might have to go out on loan, etc. It's just, it's just the defence. Centre-backs, left-back. And then whoever's available as a keeper, honestly, anyone will do anyone better than <laughs> well, yeah, For me, um, people keep saying, why are Chelsea buying Werner? Why are they buying Havertz? Why are they buying Ziyech? But you think, how many games have we lost this year at home or to crap opposition where we couldn't break them down and like I said, all it takes is one chance they go up and score. It's no wonder we're buying these players. It's been get- we scored, what did you say, Nick, 69 goals. 69 goals. It's actually the third yeah. best in the Premier League. But if you yeah, look at us, lo- you watch our games, we do struggle. It's a lot of goals, but there's been times under Ancelotti, we had Maluda, Drogba, Anelka, Lampard, Deco, Joe Cole, all chipping in with big goals. Even Ashley Cole that year got three. You had a centre-half in John Terry who would... Kalu, exactly. You'd have a centre-half in John Terry who would get you six. Um, I'm not sure any of our centre-halves... Tomori scored a few. Rudiger scored twice at Leicester. Um, but yeah, there's, there's been a clear... Yeah. The, don't don't get me wrong. The defense needs fixing, but these so did, we needed to add to our firepower 100, percent and we've done that. Um, so they can hit the ground running. That we get Havertz over the line. In terms of a back line, yeah, I agree with Jack. Um, 
I kind of agree with your point in terms of keeper. Anyone will do, but in my opinion, on the keeper, you, if you're going to get a keeper after spending 72 million on Kepa, you've got to get it right now because people talk about this Alison Van Dyke thing. When you look at 2004, we signed Czech and Carvalho, and they completely transformed our team. Don't be wrong, we had John Terry in there, but um, we need someone of the same statue and same presence that Petr Cech bring and even Courtois. I don't like Courtois anymore for obvious reasons, but he won us football matches. Sunderland away, you can just remember 1-0 down. He produced an absolute worldie of a save. So, and it, obviously the dreams are black for obvious reasons, but he's going to cost 90-odd million. They're not going to take Kepa on a swap. I'd be very surprised if they did. So, realistically, Onana for Ajax for 30 million. Um, can't say I've ever really seen him play other than when he's played us in the Champions League one last year. But from, like you said, Nick, I'm not a big fan of goalie stats. I think they're quite misconceptive. And unless you look at Keppers, which are so blatantly rubbish, um, I think he'd be a good buy for 30 million. I, this is going to sound quite ridiculous, but Nick Pope, although he's not an attractive sign-in by any stretch of the imagination, I think he's a brilliant goalie. Keeps the ball out the back of the net. And if you if you really want to ruffle some feathers, then put a bid in for Henderson, see what United do with that, because there's pressure on them to make a decision on De Gea this summer. Um, so that will only intensify it. And then we all know, left back, I mean, take anyone there. Jesus Christ, that's been painful all year. Um, and centre-half, yeah, I'd go out and get Rice, personally. Um, where this team lacks leaders. I think Aspi is a leader, but I don't think he really leads the group that well. He sets an example on the training field, but that Kepa situation last year where he went over to him and he didn't demand him to go off JT and Frank would have dragged him off because that was disrespectful. Um, I don't think he's as much of a leader as what we had in the past. I know it's hard just to pluck a leader out of thin air, but I think I think Rice would bring aspects of that. You can see he's a young captain for West Ham when Noble's out and I think he'd give you that leadership quality. I think he'd be a good buy. Yeah, yeah. No, I've mentioned on podcasts before. I like I like Aspi a lot, but I I describe him as a social media captain, a PR captain. He says the right stuff, mm-hmm. but I wouldn't. He I don't see him giving like a rocket to the players if we're underperforming or that. And the amount of times we sort of had disappointing results, and Azpilicueta says, "Oh, it comes out under press. It's not good enough. We'll get. We'll work on it. We'll yeah. do. We'll come back stronger. Whatever." But you know, we the results we've had sort of. In recent seasons, you know the Bournemouth type losses—they're becoming too frequent, and we need real leaders uh, in the team, in my opinion. Yep. So yeah, and they're not cheap. No, no, exactly. Look, I think centre backs tough is a tough spot to fill because, off the top of my head, I can't think of many top centre backs out there. And no, yeah, we should have we should have gone and got Delit when he was gone. Yeah, that was an absolute steal for fifty million or however much it was. Um, I know he's been injured this year and he's he's going to go on to be probably a brilliant centre-half for Juventus because their centre-half's old. But if they're that desperate for Jorginho, is it worth an ask? I don't, I'm not saying by any stretch of imagination. I don't think we'll get him. He's an absolute dream centre-half for his age. But we need someone like that. Someone who takes takes games by a scruff of the neck and drags his team through it like John, John Terry did all the time for us. So, Yeah, yeah. No... I agree, as I said, there's, not, there's a dearth of real top-quality centre-backs and those that are top-quality are playing at top, top, elite-level clubs. So we're not, we are going to struggle uh, to get one. Look, I've said, yeah, I, I'm a big fan of Anana. Purely on what I've seen of him, I've not seen enough to, you know, to have like a strong, strong, definitive 
opinion of him, but what from what Ajax fans say about him and from what I saw in him on their run in the Champions League last year yeah. and his two games against us, he looks like a good, yeah. good keeper. He's young. He's young and one of the positives as well, that Ajax team plays very attacking open football and he'd have been yeah. used to bailing them out at certain points. Exactly. That's my worry with Nick Pope. don't think he could do that. Um, I think yeah, great sh- but that's the thing I was saying this to my mates the other day there's so much ag around goalies distribution now and don't get me wrong you look at City and the way Edison they all come in short and Edison will just ping one up the pitch 60 yards straight to straight to Rio Mars' feet and next you know it's three on three but they don't make goalies like that Like they, I think they're trying to but we signed Kepa based off of some distribution some good stats in that's in Spain but in my opinion distribution should be second out of how good you are at shot stopping Oh, Black might not have the best distribution, but that Atletico Arsenal game last year, he, he, I've never seen a goalkeeping performance like it in my life. He just kept them in it all game. And next, you know, Griezmann goes up the other end and scores, and it's 1 1. Um, and like I said earlier on the pod, I think if you have someone like that in goal, he not only saves you 20 points, but he keeps you in games you shouldn't be in at yeah. all. Um, there's been games this year where we have been blown away, like Sheffield United. And I saw a stat 30% of our shots we faced on goal, Kepper hasn't even dived. Yeah, I don't I know if that. that's saying, are you small or are you, is your positioning wrong or are you just not attempting? Because there's been a lot of long ranges over the past two years where he dives and it looks like a midget man in goal. Um, where Courtois would have just completely plucked it. Um, and it's, just, you, you can, it's clear that Frank doesn't trust him, the defence doesn't trust him. And I wouldn't mind us signing a keeper this summer and not signing the centre-half if the keeper was 100% good enough because I think the keeper... You can say, yeah, the defence doesn't give keeper confidence and vice versa. I think it's definitely the latter of the keeper doesn't give the defence confidence whatsoever. I think if you put Oblak in front of that defence, we'd concede a heck of a lot less goals. And we probably wouldn't need, we could address the centre-back next summer, in my opinion. Yeah, look, well, I think, you know, we touched on it earlier, Zuma and Tamori wildly our best centre-back pairing this season. And we did actually look fairly, fairly solid with them when they were given an opportunity. Um, right, I think that's everything we wanted to cover. We've reviewed that Arsenal game. We've re- reviewed the Premier League season on the season as a whole. We've reviewed certain players, whether we'd keep them or sell them. So, yeah, I think that is everything we wanted to cover in this episode of the podcast. Jack, thank I you. I have one quick question all. for you. Sure. If that's all right. Just pops my head. What would you do with Ethan Ampadu? Oh, that's a good discussion. I like him. And when it's tough, because I remember Conte played him at centre-back and he played him in the League Cup games. He he got booked in 30 seconds against Defoe. I don't know if you remember that. He just clattered him first time the ball come to him and he got booked. But then he was classed the rest of that game. Yeah, the rest of that game. I like Ampadu. I'd like to see him involved. I also think he's a bit of a leader as well. He's quite a vocal presence. You know, he's not he's not had many games at Leipzig this season. But when we saw him play Spurs, he didn't look out of his depth at all playing in the Champions League. He he sort of owned that pitch. It's tough with Ampadu. I'm not against him going out on another loan. I think it just depends, you know, what Frank sees in pre-season if he... Yeah. Gives yeah. him a chance because obviously preseason again we don't really know what preseason is going to consist of due to the short yeah. turnaround in seasons. 
I'd like Amfadu. Yeah. I certainly think he's got a big a big future here. It's just a question of where we play him. Yeah, that's what I was just about to say. I think he needs to come out and say, if you're going to play 4-3-3, I want to be two of us, one of two centre-halves or I want to sit at the base of the midfield. Personally, a lot of people think of him as a base of midfield, but I think considering how bad our centre-backs have been and what I've seen of him at centre-half, I'd play him centre-half all day long. The only worry I've got with it is his height. I think he's still six foot. I mean, John Terry wasn't exactly a massive centre-half, and I know I keep going back to John Terry, and he's the best centre-half to ever grace the Premier League, in my opinion. But you don't need to be that good if you're hard in a tackle and your position is that good. You don't need to be that tall if you're hard in a tackle and your positioning is good. And I think, from what you've seen, he's got both of them. Do you really think he would have been worse than Christensen and Rudiger at times this year? No, I, I don't think so. I think Christensen's so. one that's massively disappointed me. He's regressed in, my, in progressed, in my opinion. He looked quality under Conte. I and mean, then ever since that Barcelona game at home, I've banged mm. on about it so many times. His confidence just seems to have been shot. And there's been glimpses. Yeah. I thought, you know, he was solid in the Europa League final last year and in general that Europa League campaign. I thought he was yeah. solid in when we beat City at the bridge, albeit he wasn't actually going up against a striker. And I thought he was okay <laughs> when he came on yesterday. But against big physical strikers, we saw him get destroyed by Benteke at Palace. Oh, that's it. That was embarrassing. And Antonio, that Antonio in the West Ham away game was just embarrassing. Uh, I like Antonio. I think good player. But he, it wasn't even like strikers usually peel on one and take that. Just if it's, if, if it's Van Dyke with Lovren, you just go on Lovren all game. But he was just taking the pick out too. He just going into either of them. They were that bad. That's what baffles me with the Tamori decision. It's like, I don't, I think he's definitely quick enough to handle someone like Antonio. He might not handle him physically, but. I don't think he would have got the run on him like he had on Christensen. Yeah, no, I say Christensen, Christensen's a shame because he got all the talent. I think his concentration at times goes missing. It. I just his physicality. I just don't think he's suited for the Premier League. It's not strong enough. He it's did well. In. He makes a chat tackle or goes up for a header. He's always he's on down. The, every he's on the I'm not being funny. Yesterday it was a good tackle in the lead up to Aubameyang's goal, but it went straight to Pepe. Didn't go out of play. So it was a good challenge. He timed it well, but it went straight to Pepe and he was on the floor. Yeah. I, I, don't, I don't ever seen JT lying on the floor unless he got booted in the head that one time. No. Usually he's throwing his head in front of it to block it. Yeah. Um, I just Like you said, Nick, I don't think he's cut out for the Premier League. Um, and I don't think Rudiger's cut out positionally for the Premier League at the minute either. I no. think I think Zuma's Zuma's second half of the season has shown that he's definitely good enough to be a squad player, in my opinion. Um you could argue yesterday with the goal. Of a, I personally think that was just brilliant from Aubameyang. Um, yeah. He showed him onto his right, tried to show him onto his left foot. He'd done that and he's just dinked the keeper. Yeah. Um, but the other two for sure, got to move him on. No, exactly. I agree. And I Rudiger think, has, I was so massively wrong on Rudiger. Honestly, those first, his first two seasons likewise. with us, I thought he was probably one of our best centre-back. And I remember yeah, his performance in the FA Cup final against Man United. It was brilliant. It was immense. Well, our yeah. mate Alex said to me, Nick, that he's the second best centre-back in the league. This was like just before the restart. He said he's the second best yeah. centre-back I've seen apart from Van Dijk. Oh, yeah, um, no, it's, you, I get it from, I got it from Gary and I got it from Jabs as well. They said, yeah, I thought Rudiger was good. And it's just crazy. It's crazy how It's not based not on bad up. evidence, though. He, like you said, yeah. he was good. He, he was, was good, good for he, two he seasons. Had, he had a stinker against Roma away to start with. Yeah. And then after that, he was, Brilliant. I was saying to my dad, um, 
if he keeps on like this, he, he could be on course when Aspie goes to be to be club captain. Because um, I felt like he had some qualities in that aspect. But this year, God Almighty, he's been yeah, one of the worst centre halves I've seen. What's he doing? And he's you know arguably at fault for the Arsenal goal massively. Just pushes out of the hundred percent. It was his fault. hundred percent. When you've got Marcus Alonso at left wing back, he's not going to cover you. Hold your ground. Yeah. No, that we was... managed. We managed Arsenal a lot better. Sorry, Jack. We managed Arsenal a lot better that second half in terms of that long ball. That was the first time they got him behind us, and it's because he stepped out. Yeah. Just the fact on, as well that we thought across the first half of the season that yeah our defence was a bit shaky, not great, and we thought oh Rudiger's going to come back, he's going to be fit, and he's going to sort sort the defence out, shore it up. And to and be fair. Just... His first game back, I think, was Lille at home, and we were actually pretty good that game. And I thought, I remember yeah. watching it. There was a couple of games I remember watching him at the start, and it was like, we do look a bit better defensively here, and it's just gone downhill. Yeah, it's it's gone downhill for him, which is a shame because I, you know, he was probably developing into a bit of a cult hero. You know, everyone going Rudy, Rudy, when he clears the ball. He's been, you know, he has two seasons with us. He was a solid, solid player, but this season it's just gone downhill. And look, ultimately, if you're looking at I'd prefer to give Ampadu game time over him next season. Same with Tamori. If you're looking at who I'd off, try and offload, Rudiger, I'd try and offload. Christensen, I'd try and offload again. And then look at our centre-backs as Zuma, Tamori, Ampadu. Ampadu and one other. And one other, which hopefully, you know, maybe if we can get Rice, maybe if we can convince him, you know, take, take Barkley, take Batshuayi. You never take know. Everton, take Kepa, take Caballero. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. I think, I think we, we will be at a point soon as well where we'll get a keeper this summer, but we'll need to back up. Yeah, I mean, to because be Caballero fair... Caballero's going to retire soon. Yeah, I mean, I don't think Caballero's actually a bad backup option for the Cup. Nor do I. I think he's a decent backup option. I don't think he done much wrong yesterday. Either. No. But. I don't... To be fair, when he's coming, I don't think he's necessarily done that much wrong in the games he's played. No, he had a moment at Leicester, didn't he? Leicester yeah. away in the league. Yeah, oh yeah. On the whole, a lot, a lot, a lot better than Kepa on the whole. But again, what I'd say with Caballero is, if he'd been goal the whole season, I honestly don't think the picture would necessarily be too much different in terms of the goals we conceded. Maybe we'd have conceded a few less, but I don't. Yeah, think I think the long ranges would have different. been a different. Long ranges would have been a change, but no, I'm with you on that. We need a goalie who's going to organise our back line and scream at them. Yeah, well, that's my that. biggest issue with Kepper. He doesn't command his box. He doesn't come out and claim crosses. He's flat-footed on his line, and the amount of that goals Liverpool game, he's been rooted to his spot as well. Is yeah. I can think of you know Sheffield United. I think was it their second, the first or second goal? He's just rooted second to his goal, spot. Yeah, yeah. Everton, he made a half decent save for the first goal, yeah. but he just palmed it straight to him. Yeah, no, look, there's. It's going to be interesting. There's a lot of players that need to be moved on. I think it's, you know, systemic. We've been buying players for systems. We bought players for Conte system. We yeah. bought players for Sari system. And Frank's had to sort of deal with that this season. We've not naturally been buying players, you know, smart. We've not naturally been smart in terms of our recruitment till it looks like this season under Frank. It's still early days. I don't, even, I don't really see this as Frank's team, to be honest. Not he at all. You look at our last. There. You look at our last thirty-five buys or something ridiculous, and half of them are just tragic. The amount of tragic left backs: Falcao, Pato, right, Danny Drinkwater, Bakayoko, 
the list will go on. But then you look at our last five, I think Pulisic, Kovacic, Ziyech, Werner, and then potentially Havertz. It's clearly been a clear shift. I don't know whether that's down to Frank or Petter. Um, but in other words, yeah, I think, like you said, we need to, to, to sacrifice a year to get our recruitment right for a project rather than right for one manager who's going to get sacked. We yeah. can't sack Frank until, unless it goes really sour. But even still, I wouldn't sack him. I love him too much. So No, no exactly. Just look, just look at Liverpool with Klopp and that squad he inherited and how long it took him. Look, we, you know, Chelsea have had a lot of short-term success. But it's caught up to us now. We can't afford to, yeah. just, you know, try and keep keep doing it. It worked, you know, under Conte. It was brilliant for a season and a half, and then it went downhill downhill massively for Sari. It was less than that. It was arguably about the first three months of the season. Then it well, we were blessed with a an era of Drogba, Terry Lampard, Czech, Ashley Cole. We literally had a captain in every position. Yeah, that's and true. then once all of them went. We were blessed with one of the best players to ever grace the Premier League in Eden Hazard, who bailed us out year after year. We don't have either of them now. Yeah. So that's why you need to change it. Yeah, no, exactly. It's been a good discussion with you boys. It's been great having you on, Louis. I'm sure we will get you on again in the future. Um, that wraps up episode 10 of that Chelsea podcast. Just want to say to everyone listening, thanks for all the support you've sent us so far. There'll be messages you sent to Jack, messages you've sent to myself, messages you sent on Twitter. Uh, it means a lot. We'll be back with some stuff during the off season ahead of the new Premier League season. So make sure you stay tuned for that. But until the next episode, everybody keep the blue flag flying high. Sports Social Podcast Network.